0: Well, good morning Church. Good morning. Good morning to those who are online. I'm excited. We have people in-house and we have people online. So it's really great that we're able to open our doors in multiple ways. So thanks for joining us here in person, but also those who are online today. It's great to have you. If you missed last week, we started a brand new series called Lifestyle, which is basically us um, going, reading parts of the Bible and, and seeing how we can reflect Jesus, lifestyle, the lifestyle of Jesus. So January is a month where we hear all this hype, right? We mentioned last week we hear all this hype about getting fit and the protein powders and, and getting strong, but God wants us fit too. He wants us strong in our body, soul, and mind. So that is what the series of Lifestyle is about. If you missed last week, you can check it out on our YouTube channel like Brad mentioned or listen on Spotify. Before I carry on, let's pray. God, thank you that we are able to meet today. Our doors are open in person and online, Jesus. And we just ask that you speak through the, the waves of, of online and in the, in the waves down here and in person, Jesus. We ask that your words be crystal clear. God, we give you today, we give you um, the scripture that we're about to read today, Jesus. We ask that you just make it clear. Make it, make it so easy that we're like, hey, that is a great example. I can do that. So, Jesus, I just ask that you speak your words today in your name. Amen. Today is week two of lifestyle, and I am calling it the sticky note. The sticky note. I personally love sticky notes. I am a sticky note person. I do not like the plain yellow sticky note, it does not capture my attention, but the colorful uh, sticky notes capture my attention. And the reason why I need it colorful because I need it to capture my attention, or I will ignore it. So I am, again, a sticky note person, and on busy days in my office, my desk will have a handful of sticky notes on it with um, my chicken scratch written all over it. And for me, that is me being organized. Believe it or not, that is my language. I can stay organized by looking at those sticky notes. And the thing about it is that it's supposed to be helpful to create those reminders, right? I like the bright-colored ones because they capture my attention as you guys if you're in person as you came into church today uh, you may have noticed that we have sticky notes in our lobby and you might have gone why is that up there well you'll know at the end of church why they're up there might have caught your attention for those of you online you'll need a piece of paper a pen something to write with today maybe a sticky note if you have them but here's a little bit history about the sticky note. The sticky note was created by a co-creator named Arthur Fry in the year 1968. The creation came out of his frustration of using scrap papers to bookmark his church choir hymnal as the scrap papers kept falling out. From there, the idea was created, and out came the post-it note, or I like to call the sticky note a good friend of ours always has a sticky note stuck to his radio in his Jeep um, with a verse on it. And uh, each week it would change, and he would let us know that he wasn't good at memorizing Scripture, so he got creative. Before he put the keys into his ignition, he would practice that verse that he would have in his Jeep. He would do this each time he would enter his vehicle, whether it was getting groceries or getting gas or going to work, whatever he did, every time he got into his vehicle, he would recite that verse. Uh, Weeks later, it would start getting into his heart, start getting into his mind. He got creative to memorize God's word. How are we memorizing scripture today, right? We know that it's good. We know that we should do it, but how are we doing it? Maybe we need to be a bit creative To help remind ourselves to do it. So personally, I believed in a lie. I believed in a lie that I could not memorize. And I say a lie because when I was a young person, I can recite dramas and musicals, large content. I could do that. But when it was given a verse, a Bible verse to me, I couldn't memorize that verse. I'm sure there's others of you here or maybe online saying, I can't memorize worth beans. I try my best and I just can't get it into my brain. It just does not stick. Well today we're going to look at the importance of memorization and some tips on how we can do it. I promise you this is not going to be school. This is not take notes on how to memorize things. It's just the easy tips that we're going to go through today. But by doing that, before we get to that tip of memorization, we are going to be focusing our attention to Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles at home or in-house, Matthew 4 is where our attention is going to be today. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. Right there, we have the opportunity to speak the words God spoke. And Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful, what could happen if we spoke God's word into situations that, aren't, that are meant to hurt us or meant to harm us? What would happen if we spoke God's word against that stuff? What, if, what would happen if God's word, if we spoke his breath, if we spoke what is alive and powerful? Who could come against that? Today, we're going to look on how Jesus used scripture that he memorized, As Jesus was a child growing up, it was important to learn scripture because it was part of the Jewish culture. From a young age, Jesus would have books from the Old Testament already memorized. He loved his heavenly father and spent time with him as a kid. We can see and read about that even in Luke when he was considered lost, but he was just staying at the temple learning about his father's business. As he grew up, Jesus was water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and from there, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In the wilderness, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and during that time, he was tempted by Satan himself. In Matthew 4, where we will be spending our time today, and how Jesus conquered temptation. It will also give us examples to follow for when we face temptation. You know, in our everyday life, if you were to say I was never tempted, that would be a lie. Every single person experiences temptation to one form, one extreme, to another. There is a form of temptation, such as the Lindor chocolates in the pantry in our house. That is a temptation. Always has been a temptation. And it's still there today because I'm resisting that temptation. But maybe after church day, no, I will resist it but temptation could be one from one form to the other. When Jesus was tempted, it was an important demonstration of his sinlessness that he would not give in. In Hebrews 4:15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we have, but he did not sin he did not sin. We can follow that perfect example. Temptation is not sin. Okay? Temptation is not sin. Giving into the temptation can lead to sin. Jesus was tempted but did not sin. So we're going to start Matthew chapter 4. and We're going to read 11 verses. And we're going to dissect the three things that Jesus was tempted with. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I see that in sarcasm. I see the enemy saying, Hey, if you're the son of God, tell these stones, just become bread. Like, why don't you? There's no harm in that. Just make that into bread. Fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. And the enemy went where he was the weakest. How many times do we get tempted in our low points? In our lowest points, especially my lowest point is if I'm really emotionally off <laughs> in who knows what land, if something comes up, I probably will have no, um, no, nothing really to hold on to to be able to respond well. Or if I'm really hungry and those Lindors are there, I probably respond to that in my lowest point. Satan was doing a jab, saying, if you are the son of God. There is sarcasm there. Make these stones into Bread basically no harm done. You're not hurting yourself. You're not hurting anyone else. You're going to feed yourself. Dude, you're hungry. Get rid of the hunger pains. If, I, if that happened to me, I would probably give in. I'd probably like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. And I can do this, so I will do it. Thankfully, Jesus was not that weak. If we look deeper, this wasn't the temptation for food. uh, I was reading it, it sounds like it. But this wasn't the temptation for food. Satan was not questioning the fact that Jesus is God's son. He knows that. He was tempting Jesus to misuse it, to rely on his own self-provision rather than on the provision of God. Jesus says in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not my own will. For Jesus to turn those rocks into bread, it would be so simple. So simple. But it would have gotten himself off mission on the purpose of what God sent him. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus said, No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus fought back with memorized scripture, quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, the words that Moses spoke. Jesus tells us how to live life on purpose, not with food, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's, God's words are powerful. God's words are true. God's words is in our hands on our phone. It's easy to have a hold of. So then temptation number two comes along. First temptation didn't work with the stones and the bread, so Satan shows up with temptation number two, different jab, a different corner. And starting in verse five, the devil then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, "If you are the son of God, jump off, for the scripture says, if he will order his angels to protect you, and you will hold, and he they will hold you up." With their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. There was a temptation there that, yes, could Jesus throw himself off and be caught? Yes, he could. What's the point? But yes, he could. The temptation there was to be showy, was to be prideful, was to have the attitude of, look what I can do. I can do miraculous works. I can draw attention to myself. If you are the Son of God, Satan says, challenging Jesus, he was challenging his power. Jesus was being tempted to use supernatural power improperly. It would be like me climbing to the top of the church and saying, God, if you're real, I'm going to jump off the church and you are going to protect me from any injury. Better yet, you're going to make me fly because you're real prove it you will notice that satan also quoted scripture he knows scripture he quoted psalms 91 he misuses it he misuses the scripture in an attempt to mislead jesus and jesus responded in verse 7 the scripture also says you must not test the lord your god jesus quoted deuteronomy 6:16 6, jesus used scripture to fight back temptation. God's word. Now, as I was studying this part, it gets to temptation number three. And this one took me to a part where I was like mind-blowing. Like, I was writing my rough draft is how I I write my messages. I just write, 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 and it's chicken scratch and sticky notes. And then I went to Brad. I was like, Brad, did you, do you see this part? And he's like, I had the idea, but I didn't really take it to that level. This part, temptation number three, Our enemy, if you have not figured out, is insanely sneaky. He is not dumb. Do not even think that because he is not. But he came back with a temptation three. He's sly. He comes back with an offer thinking that Jesus cannot refuse this. Satan tempts Jesus with the very purpose of why he came. Look at this in verse 8. The devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. It's yours. Satan knew we live in a sinful world because Satan is the king of it. The third temptation would be the most appealing, because Satan's offer would allow Jesus to rule the, listen to this would allow Jesus to rule the Earth without, without going through the pain and suffering, taking all the sin of the world and dying on the cross to defeat Satan. Do you get that? The third temptation, Satan's offer would allow Jesus to rule the Earth. He can have it all. He can rule. But he does not and would not have to go through any pain, any suffering. He wouldn't take our sin away. He wouldn't die on the cross. And he would not defeat Satan. Satan already knew he was going down. He went to Jesus with a plan to get him off course. How many times does the enemy tempt us to get off course? We have purpose. God has given us purpose. How many times does the enemy, as sly as can be, get you off course? Wants you so bad just to go this direction. Satan was offering this, knowing that if Jesus accepted, the curse of sin would not be broken. Jesus wouldn't die as the ultimate sacrifice. Prophecies long ago would not come true. That was mind-blowing to me. Satan tempted Jesus to believe that someone else could provide for him in a better way than God could. How many times do we feel that? Right? We may even hear those lies and those temptations in our lives. It's the same today as it was then, whether it involves work, whether it involves power, money, success, or even some personal interest that may sneak in pride right? But what's really awesome is that in verse 10, Jesus replied with, get out of here, Satan. He didn't give him the time of day. He didn't waste his breath on him. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus didn't give any time. Didn't waste his breath on him. He had in his heart the words of Scripture. Who wrote that? God. He had his Father's heart in him. And he was ready. When those temptations, when those jabs came, it just came out of him. He didn't have to have a conversation with the enemy. He didn't sit there and think when things can dwell in our minds. He was prepared. Again, Jesus reached into Scripture and sent Satan on his way. We can do that. We can do that. It is not, it is not so high and mighty that just because it happened to Jesus, it must just be for Jesus. No, we live in a sinful world today, just as Jesus lived in a sinful world then. Jesus did not sin. He showed how we can get through temptation. He gave us his example. And these 11 verses... That's 11 verses right there, jam-packed, and I know there's more we can pick through it, jam-packed with temptation of all the things that we can apply to our lives where we face things that just suck, Jesus shows the way out of it. We see how Jesus was tempted and not with minuscule things like food. It shows that, but it was deeper than that. The Bible, God's Word, is our only authority for living right. And when we have that in our hands, it is so available. You can buy God's Word at the dollar store. It is available to us. God is available to us. The Bible, God's Word, is our only authority for living right. Jesus would be mastered by nothing. And no one except our true God, his heavenly Father. It's interesting that Satan offered to be a master to Jesus. Sly. But Jesus responded with authority from God's word. We have the same authority using God's word in our everyday situations. That authority makes the enemy flee. It doesn't even strike a conversation. He leaves. This shows us who the real king is, and that is Jesus Christ. Through this situation, it gives us the answer on how to live when we have temptation knocking on our door. See, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, as a kid growing up, I was, I was a weird child. <laughs> as a kid growing up, I, I wanted to be in the army as a child. And my parents said no. No. And I was little. I was grade three. My parents said no. And I even begged to go to cadets. And they're like, my parents said no. So what I did is that I made my own boot camp in my backyard. And so when I come home from school, I'd boot camp. Not homework. I'd boot camp it. And so I would army crawl. We have on our, on our, um, our property line was barbed wire fence, And all the army and war movies that I'd watch with my dad had barbed wire in it. Makes sense. Keep the enemy out. Well, I'm getting in. So I would practice how to get in. And I would army crawl under barbed wire and over barbed wire and under. And then when my parents would get home from work, they look at me, because I'm a I'm a bloody mess. And they would look at me and be like, Did you get in a fight school? No? School's good. Like what happened? I'm just boot camping. <laughs> And I would do this day in and day out, and I would practice. But what was actually brewing in me at that age, I had no idea, but what was actually brewing in me was the fight. There was a fight in me, and I didn't know how to get it out, so I was physically trying to prepare myself for a fight. There was a fight. And then as I got a little bit older and realized, uh, when I realized that I could read the Bible and go through that journey, Ephesians 6 is what stood out to me. And I'm not asking anyone to go boot camp themselves, but we can boot camp this way. In Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I want you guys to hear these words good. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies. All those jabs, all those nitpicks, all those sly little what ifs against all strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. No more being grumpy with your neighbor. Stop it. We, that's not our fight. Our fight's not with the, with the government. Stop it. Let's get on track, let's get on focus. Our fight is with the enemy. It's a spiritual fight. For we are not fighting against the flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Well, that just sounds great, doesn't it? So now what? I don't see them? It's an unseen world? Oh, sounds like Marvel is happening and all the superheroes. Well, we call on Captain America, go defeat those guys. No, no. Right here, verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Oh, makes sense. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Okay, so how? Then after the battle, you will stand firm. Jesus stood firm every time. There was no conversation with him and the enemy. It was God's word between him and the enemy. Then after the battle, you will will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Keep your pants up. Put that belt of truth on. The body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from good news. When something comes up against us and it makes you miserable against someone else, put on your shoes. Put on your shoes. Bring that peace. Bring that good news so we can be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Be Captain America now. Hold up our shield because those fiery arrows come. Those are the temptations. Those are those little things that just, what ifs? What ifs? put on the salvation as your on your put on salvation as your helmet remember jesus died for you jesus died for you he did not accept that temptation the easy way out he went through the pain and suffering he took your sin accept it and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god so easily accessible but let's use it Let's study it. Let's read it. Let's use it. Right, church? Let's use it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to practice it with our sticky note. Something so simple as a book that's in our hand, how can that be a sword? I, I, my mind goes through, it must be disguised. It's just my, my, my weird brain waves. we like, a sword is a sword. But Scripture says the Word of God is the sword. So let's fight with the word of God. Let's stop using our words of offense. Let's use the words of God because from there, we'll have a healthy heart, right? We'll have a healthy soul, and we know who our enemy is. It is not people. So these sticky notes, if you're at home, grab something to write on in-house. If you didn't grab it, grab it after you leave today. These sticky notes is to help memorization. I'm not going to tell you this is the only way to do it. This is the one way that you can do it. The sticky note. We are going to write God's word on these sticky notes because the color of a sticky note is to grab your attention. It is to jump out at us. When you want to change up your routine or your thing that you're trying to restart or kickstart, you need to get the attention of it. Whether you put an alarm on your phone or something Today, it's a sticky note. We're going to practice. We are going to write down a verse, and you're going to stick it. You're going to stick it somewhere. You can stick it in your your bathroom. You put it on your bathroom mirror. You can put it on your car radio. You can put it at the TV. You can put it at the coffee maker. You put it on the fridge. Just stick it somewhere that you are there multiple times a day. Okay? Multiple times a day. Don't put it in the closet. Don't put it in the cleaning closet. That doesn't happen multiple times. If you're in my house, that does not happen multiple times a day. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Each time you see it, you stop and you read it. Not in your mind, out loud. There is something that happens when you're verbal. Because you hear your voice, your brain can grab a hold of it. Your eyes, when you see it, it's another way for your brain to grab a hold of it. So it's visual and verbal, okay? Visual and verbal, because it starts to get repetitive into you. Say it out loud and see it. So far, we're okay. That sounds pretty easy. The verse that I would love for us to do, and you can choose any verse you want, but today, church, I want us to do this verse, even for the week, and then you can switch it up however you want. And it is Romans twelve two. You don't have to write it all out now today, but just even write down that reference, Romans 12, verse 2. And this is what it says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will you can do this. You can do this. You can memorize this. You can do this. Brad and I, we went through a time in our other church where we had to memorize scripture. And like I said, I believed in a lie. I was like, I cannot memorize scripture. It is the hardest thing in the world for me to do. But we put this up in the bathroom mirror. And what I would do, actually the whole family did. Every time we used that bathroom, we would stop, and we would read that verse out loud. So you would hear Brad go in the bathroom and all of a sudden he'd be like, do not conform. And he would be reading this in the bathroom. It was, it was a great week of prayer in the bathroom. So wherever you choose to put that sticky note, for me, I had to do actions. I had to get creative. Our friend put it in his Jeep and in and out, he, that's what he did. I had to do actions because I, I was having a harder time. So every time I went to the bathroom, I was doing actions to remember words. However, you can get God's word into your heart, do it. That's fight like Jesus fought using God's word. Our fight is not against people. No more fighting on social media. No more fighting verbally with people in your high opinions. We are wasting our breath. Let's not be distracted from making true difference because our battle is against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And Jesus showed us how to win against lies and temptations. Guys, that's great news. That is good news. That is good news because Jesus is for us. He did not come to the world to die, take all our sin and to disappear into clouds and hope we survive it. Jesus said, no, no. Here you go. Here's the armor. It's sitting right there. What are you going to do about it? I guess I just got to put my shoes on. I got to get dressed today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because that's how we win. That's how we win this year. That's how we win tomorrow. That's how we win the next week. Right, church? That is how we win with God's word in our hand, his sword. We take on day to day with God right by us. That was brewing in my heart today, and I don't know. Don't feel like it was a heavier message, but it was brewing in me because I feel like there's still people saying, Ugh, oh, it's a year. It is a year. Prepare yourself. It's right here. We can do it. So, church, I'm gonna put you wanna use. Write Romans twelve, two on it, put it somewhere where you're gonna see it and memorize it. Give yourself a goal, a deadline. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a day, whatever is good for you. Don't make it easy because then you'll forget about it. Make it so it's a little bit of a, I got to do this. Once you get it memorized, don't stop. Keep that sticky note there. Add another one. Because by the end of, say, this month, you may have two or three verses in your heart memorized. Because when things come up, you can use God's word and you'll win just like Jesus won. Thank God Jesus won. Right? And we're following his lifestyle so we can win too. Let's pray. God, thank you that you came, that you battled it, and you won. There is no question. So Jesus, we say thank you. We thank you that you you came and you conquered the enemy. There's no questioned about that. So Jesus, we say, help us conquer our temptations. When things come our way, Jesus, we, we need to battle back the way you battled. And that is through your word. Jesus, I ask that when it comes to memorizing your word, it would be fluid. Let our language be your language. Let our vocabulary speak love. Let it Let it start to disregard other words that we have in our vocabulary, but it all starts pointing to you. Jesus, I ask that when things come against us, that we can stand our ground because we're suited well, that we put it on that morning or that night or whatever time that day. We are ready to stand against whatever comes against us. Jesus, we believe in you. We love you. And we say, have your way in our lives. Let us stay on focus. Let us stay on purpose with you. When we go off purpose, that is only what the enemy wants. So, Jesus, we don't want that. We say, we're on purpose with you, God. Show us the way. Lead us well. Help us suit up. I pray for this church, online and in-house. God, thank you for their hearts for you. Thank you that they love you. Thank you that they seek your face. Jesus, I pray that you bless them. Bless everyone here everyone online, Jesus, I pray that you bless them, fill their homes with your Spirit. Jesus, I ask that their homes be a protected place, a place of where you are, that there's no question, that their homes be a warmth, that it'll be a light to those around them. Jesus, I ask that today is the day where we step forward in your armor that the enemy says, whoa, what's going on there? Don't want to touch them. Don't want to go near them. Or if he tries, he cannot win. God, I ask that you give us the power and the might to stand against the fiery arrows, that we stand strong, that we have faith in you, Jesus. You've given it to us. Let us hold it and wield it well. Thank you for everyone here today, God. Thank you for our friends here, Jesus. In your name, amen. Be blessed today, church. Stick those sticky notes. Start memorizing wherever you can. Get God's word strong into your hearts. It's going to be a good year.